This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay. So, before I get into the Pasha, I'll get into the Pasha a little bit. So, there's a Pasik in this week's Pasha, in, in, in Pasha's Toldos. And when, I, when Yitzhak Avinu was davening opposite, we'll talk about what that means, opposite. Um, so it says, Yitzhak was davening opposite his wife, because she was barren, she couldn't have children. And Hashem listened to him. So everybody here knows, right, that because she was a Tzadik bin Tzadik, she was a Tzadik bin Rashi. But if you look at Rashi, Says Vayeyase. What does that mean? Harbe. He davened a lot. The hifsha betvila, right? He he sort of broke through. He sort of broke through with his prayer. And um, Rashi says again, Vayeyaselo nifzav in his pious v'nif v'nitvesolo v'omar ani koloshin aseloshin haftzara. We read with who he davened a lot, a lot, a lot, and a lot until finally he was able to push through that he could have a child. So. In the Leno Shabbat, which is my new favorite sefer, um, he says that it's it's sort of like somebody wants to buy something, and um, the guy that who's selling it doesn't want to sell it. So let's say the guy who's everything has a price, right? Everyone knows that everything has a price. So let's say someone doesn't want to sell their house, but if you make him a crazy offer, you know he'll he'll sell the house. But you never know what that what that number is. You never know what that number is. So some people, you know, they see this house, they really want to buy it, and their friends live next door, and they knock on the door and they're like. I'll give you $800,000 for your house. And the guy's like, I'm not selling. I'll give you $900,000 for your house. I'm not selling. Now, there's a number that this guy's going to walk away from. He's going to sell the house. But you don't know that number. So you have to keep going and keep offering, keep offering, of course, until you, as much money that you could spend, right? And it could be that you're going to say, I'll give you $999,000 when you sell me the house. And he's going to say no. And the guy in his head is thinking, if he offers me a million, it's his. And you missed it by one dollar, and you're like, okay, he doesn't, this guy's not interested in selling, you walk away. Right? One more dollar, he hasn't, every, I'm, I'm in business. So there's always a number in your head. Right? If the guy says the number, you, you, you sell it. And sometimes they stop, Mama's a dollar before, because they're figuring, you know, you really want to sell it. So he says in Tfilah, it's very interesting, that we learn out from over here by Yitzchak, that in Tfilah, that, that a person can, can daven so much, right? Ve'eschanan, Moshebeinu daven so much, and he should go into the, into Eretz Yisrael, that a Kosh Baruch who said, one more tefillah, and I let him into Eretz Yisrael. But I'm telling you right now that if you dive in this tefillah and I let you into Eretz Yisrael, when I created the world, I made two promises. One is you're not going into Israel, and the other one is I'll never destroy Klai Yisrael. So if I break one, I can break the other. But Lemaishu, we see that even though Kosh Baruch said that he wouldn't let him go into Eretz Yisrael, one more prayer would have let him go into Eretz Yisrael. So when a person davens, you have to daven in the way, you have to think that one more tefillah, I daven, I need the shidduch, and I daven, and I went to Amukah, and I did 40 times Shirah Shirah, and I did all this stuff, I did all this stuff, and I'm not being answered, okay, forget it. But you never know if it's that next tefillah, you have to think like this, like the deal. That the next tefillah, the next tefillah, the next one's the one where God's going to say, that's the number I had in my head. When she says that tefillah, that's when I'm going to give her the shidduch. That's how you have to think when you daven. So that was what happened over here by Yitzhak Ravino. Yitzhak Ravino, he davened and he davened and he davened and he davened. Vaye Osir, Vaye Atar. It's sort of, he broke through. He, he finally came up with that number of trilos that broke through. So he says a story. The story's in the Gemara. I wanted to actually read it out of the Gemara, but I forgot to bring my Gemara. The Gemara says the following story. Very interesting. So, you're all going to have a lot of questions on this, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, this is not my really speech tonight, but there's a reason I'm telling you about this. So, 
the Gemara says like this. It's a Gemara, if you want to look it up, it's a Gemara in Shabbos on page 156, right? Kuf Nun Vav on the second side of the page. That brings in the focus of Tefillin. The Gemara says that there were stargazers in the old days, not like today, you know, horoscopes, but in the old days they were able to look at the stars and they mamash could see in the stars the truth, the way Hashem set up the stars. So they told Rav Nachman by Yitzchak's mother, before he was born, that he would grow up to be a thief. That he was born in the horoscope of people who steal, and that his nature, when he's going to be born, this child, is going to be a ganaf. It's going to be a thief. So, and we have to understand they're not fortune tellers. Whatever they said, whatever they predicted was accurate, right? So his mazel, the mazel he was born in, some of the mazel of murderers, some people were mazel of thieves. They were good mazolim, right? So he was born in a mazel of being a thief. So, What's she going to do? She was told already there's going to be a thief. What should she do? But she refused to despair. So what did she do? So she knew that she had to, the only way to fight him becoming a thief would be to, to give him Yerash Shemayim. And from a, from a very early age, actually from when he was born, she put a yarmulke on his head. And she felt that if his head is covered, why do we wear a yarmulke? Why do we wear a kippah? Why does a man wear a kippah? To always think that there's something above us. Remind us that there's something above our head. We're not it. There's something above us. So she figured if she puts this yamaka on the, on the head of this child when it's born, that he's going to have Yerushalayim. And he grew up to become Rav Nachman by Yitzchak. Now, so you think, okay, so maybe the stargazers were wrong. Maybe he wasn't born with that meat of becoming a Ghanif. So maybe the yamaka on his head since he's born, that's not really what did it. So the Gemara, the Gemara goes on and says a story. Once Rav Nachman by Yitzchak was leaning under, he was sitting under a fig tree. And his yarmulke fell off. And as he went to pick up his yarmulke, he lifted his eyes and he saw all the, it wasn't his tree. He was sitting in somebody else's field. And he saw all these figs hanging from the tree. So his Yitzchak overpowered him and he, he cut off a twig with his teeth and he ate all the figs. So we see that Taka, he, that if it wasn't for what his mother did, he was mamash going to be a ganav. He would have been. A, he would have been a robber. And therefore, person has to know that there's nothing that stands in front of the tefillah, in front of the davening of a person. So I want to tell you where I was today. So about, I don't know, it must be a year, maybe less than a year ago, I was in Toronto, in Canada, and I met a boy. Um, actually, his name is Chaim Avram Zalman, but he's known as Avi Silver. And um, he was a regular kid, young, a young boy, I think he's 21, maybe 23, somewhere in that age. And they found a, a brain tumor about a year and a half ago. And he was very, very sick. And I went to visit him. And he was still in his bed, and he could talk and this and that. And, and I tried to give him some chizik. But I met a woman in my whole life. I never met such a person. Her name is Bracha Silver, his mother. Her, her emunah in Hashem, her, her love for her child, but her emunah in God, that anything can happen. I've never met someone with such strong emunah ever in my life. I've met a lot of people in my life. So I, I was just like, just sitting there and, and, and listening to how she talked to him and just the way she talks to him is like the whole, the whole room lights up. She's such a big tzaddikist and she has such a kayach, such a kayach of emunah. His mother, Bracha, is like, is like amazing. Okay. I came back um, this year to, to, to do a Vino Malkano in Toronto, and, uh, and and people come and they sing, and, and they, they, they wrote songs. In fact, A.B. Uh, Rottenberg just wrote a, a, a song for him. She, she's absolutely amazing, and she just does it, and she buys him ice cream and candy, and 
what a crazy relationship. So I got a call that, that October 24th, a few days ago, whatever it is, he went into, he's in the hospital and he's, he went into respiratory arrest and he was pretty much gone. Um, he, he was, his heart stopped and he's in a coma and to visit this boy. So he's in ICU, of course, in the hospital. And, um, I walk in and I sit down with his mother and she's like, she's like, he'll be okay. He's going to be okay. He can't, I'm not letting him. I'm his mother and I say he can't go. And if God, I'm fighting God, God wants him to go and he's pulling him one way, but God don't mess with me. He's not going anywhere. So she's, mama, she's, she's, I don't know if she's scarier than God, but she's right up there. Right? She's like, he's not, he's not going anywhere. So there's a doctor in the hospital, a very famous doctor. He's the head of, 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 I guess the cancer ward and he's the head of the hospital and the, he's on the, he's on the cover of magazines. He was the guy in Canada who, um, tried to push through the voting that you, that if someone is terminally ill and, um, not to, not to resuscitate and to pull the plug and let him go. He happens to be a Jew, but he's an atheist. Doesn't believe in God. He believes in science. So I'm sitting with her and she tells me that after this whole episode that her son pretty much died and they brought him back, so the doctor walked in and he said, I need to talk to you. And he said, listen, um, he has a crazy amount of tumors in his brain. He, there's no reason, if it happens again, there's no reason to resuscitate him. You just resuscitate him to suffer. So um, I, I really feel that, that, that you should do it, you know, you should write, do not resuscitate. Because this is, there's no reason, there's just no reason what, what you know, according to science, he's not going to live much longer. What, what, you know, why would you... So she, she says to him, first of all, you're not God. And, and second of all, this is my son. And my son is not going anywhere. You don't understand. I am not letting him go. He is staying in this world with me. We're going for ice cream. This is how we're going. He loves ice cream. We're going for 12 flavors. And, and she, this, this doctor couldn't hop. Like, what's with this woman? He can't hop. They don't, they don't understand. Of course, a lot of the nurses and everything, it's a big kid. Hashem was like, this woman's fighting, you know, for her son's life. So she told me, you know, when he stopped breathing, she bent down by the pillow and she, she whispered in his ear, Avi, now you listen to your mother. I said you're not going. So you're not going. And until I let you go, you're not going. And I'm not letting you go. So you're not going. And everything came back. So I was there today. And I'm standing in the room and, and, and she's just like, Walsing, you understand what I'm saying. I'm not letting my son go. He's not going anywhere. And he's going to have a Rufu Shalema. And the same way this machla came, this machla can go. Her, her, her mood is unbelievable. And she's like, come on, God, let's show this doctor. It's worth it just to show this guy. You know, just to show. And I explained to her that if, if the tumor went away, it disappeared. And Avi got up and started dancing, the doctor still wouldn't believe in Hashem. He would show you that the one time in a million patients that the body can fight its own cancer, he will never believe in Hashem. You have to understand that, that these people will always find an excuse that, that there's one in a millionth chance that the body can fight its own. He's not going to say that there's a God because then his whole world will disappear. But the point that I want to make is number one is this week's parasha, that, that, that you never know which thriller is the one that God says that's the number I'm waiting for. And she doesn't stop. She does not stop. But what I want to say is as follows. So I'm sitting in the room today, and um, I'm watching this woman, 
and I turn around and I say, She's a human being. She's a human being. She's made out of flesh and blood. And she is saying, This is my son, and I am not letting him go. I'm his mother, and I am not letting him go. He is staying in this world with me, and even though he's very sick, and she knows all the names of the tumors, she knows the prognosis, she knows everything. The doctor tried to tell her, listen, let me tell you the prognosis. She told him the prognosis. So I know your prognosis. You don't, you're not going to scare me, right? I said, Akush Baruch you have to tell this to the Yitzhahara. Yitzhahara comes to you and says, the Jews are dead! They're dead! Scientifically, emotionally, spiritually... They're dead. They're assimilating. The religious ones don't believe in Hashem. The religious kids don't have a chal shabbos. No one's showing any gear. Everybody's watching everything. They're dead. You start saying the same thing. What are you? What, what are you doing? What are you? What are you, you waiting for them to come back? You waiting for the Jewish nation to come back? Because If a woman who's a bus of a dumb says, "I'm not letting you go. You're my child. I'm not letting you go." The doctor says, "There's no way. There's no way you're coming back." I said, so Hashem, you have to say the same thing. Surely if a, a human being, woman is saying this, you have to say the same thing about your children. You have to whisper in our ears, you're not going anywhere. No matter what Yitzhahara brings, no matter what he's trying to do to you, you are my child, and we need to be together, and you are not going anywhere. So I said, because Baruch Hu did this, when she said to Hashem, I'm not jealous. I wasn't jealous of my sister. How could you be jealous? So I said, I'm saying the same thing. Here you have a woman. Look at her relationship with her son. Look at this woman. She's like, I don't care if he, if he goes into heart again. If he stops his heart again, you start it again. She told the doctor. I don't care how many times you have to do it. Until God wins this, this struggle, he's mine. He is mine. And I said, Kishbuch, you have to say the same thing. And we are yours. And as much as the Sahara is trying to pull us, you have to tell the Sahara that you're not beating me. You are mine. They are my children. And they are not going anywhere. And they need a lot of ice cream. And it's time to build the base on Migdash. And that's how I walked out of that room today. And she gave me that kayach. This woman gave me that kayach. I never in my life saw... And she's not a silly woman. Like she, She's not a silly woman. She's fighting. She is fighting. She's mamish... Fighting with Shemayim. She's fighting with Shemayim. Shemayim's like, we want to bring him to Ganeidem. We want to bring him to Yeshiva Shemayla. His chair is ready, right? He's very, very sick. He's in a coma. I mean, he's, he's, he's very, very sick. And the prognosis is, is he has brain tumor. It's not a good prognosis. And this woman is saying, I don't care. I don't care what they say. I don't care. He is staying here. Unbelievable kayak. And that's my tulip that that he should, that, that, that Kaisrael, you should tell the Sultan the same thing, no matter how sick they are, and all your prognosis, and they're going off the derech, and they're assimilating, and then all the terrible things the Yitzhah Mekatrik says, because Baruch has to point to this woman, she has to point to Bracha, and say, just like she doesn't give up, and just like she's fighting to keep him here, I don't give up on my children, and they're going to be with me forever. And that's what I, that's what I took out of today. And, and it's just interesting that it's, it's the first shot in Olenu Shabbat, in this week's filler, where Yitzhak Avinu said the same thing, I have to have children. And he kept pushing, he kept pushing, he kept pushing, and he kept pushing, because that's the Lush. It doesn't say, it doesn't say by Yispal, it says by Yeta Hashem. He kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing, and he, he, until he got answered. Until he got answered, he didn't stop. So we have to feel the same way now too. Instead of walking away and saying, I damned so much, I tried so much, it's not working, just the opposite. I almost, I'm going to hit the number on the next Tula, and the next Tehillim, and the next thing I say, and the next Shemir Thalosh, and the next Shabbos, and the next Mitzvah that I do, that's the one 
that's gonna, that's gonna, that's gonna, I, I was just telling someone this week, I don't like to talk about English books, so, there was a woman that listened to one of my shirim, an old, old shir, and I told her that, you know, you shouldn't tell your children before they go to sleep at night, all these stories that we tell them, the three pigs, like, yeah, this little Jewish kid going to sleep at night, and he's dreaming about three pigs. You know, a big wolf and three pigs. There are people that don't even say the word pig in their house. They won't even say the word chazir or pig in their house. And we read a book, three pigs, he blew, he that, this one built this one, this one, the kid goes to sleep, and he sees chazirim and pigs flying in his, you know, in his dream. What are you doing? Why are Jewish people talking about pigs, right? So Rav Shimshim Pikis talks about it. He says, oh no, better. They tell the story of the three bears. He says, six averis in the first two minutes of the three bears. She walked into a house without permission. She didn't kiss the mezuzah, right? She came in, she sat down, she tried people's food without permission, right? She's very spoiled. Oh, this one's too cold. What are you teaching your child, right? Then when your kid says, mommy, the soup is too cold and the soup is too hot, you're like, where did you get that from? You're telling me the story every night before I go to sleep. The porridge was too hot and the porridge was too cold. Oh, perfect porridge? I'll leave it all up. She says, it's an aver, it's Geneva. We gave you permission to eat their porridge. And then the bed. The bed is too soft, the bed is too hard, the perfect bed, that's what we teach our children, right? So the kid gets on the mattress, no, I don't like this mattress, get me a new mattress. Where'd you get this from, right? It's a story, so Shim Shim says, what kind of stories are you telling kids before they go to sleep? Forget about Hansel and Gretel and the witch and all the other stories, right, that uh, my, my grandmother was German, so there's a famous story called Hansel and Gretel, with this witch, right, that, that, that boils kids. So it, it, it's a funny story because the witch was always to see if the kid was ready to be cooked, Right? To see how fat the kid was. So she would put her fingers around your wrist. And if her fingers could not go around your wrist, you were fat enough to put you in the pot. So my grandmother, as a joke, I was a little skinny kid. She used to go, oh, you're not ready yet. You're not ready. Right? <laughs> very, very funny. And I grew up anorexic. Look at me. Because I was scared <laughs> that the woman, that they're going to put me in the pot. Right? So I stopped eating. Right? So these are the stories that we go to sleep with at night. Or Curious George. And then you don't understand why... Why your son in school is putting banana peels, right, all over the floor and teachers are slipping because the night before you gave him Curious George. And what does Curious George do? He puts banana peels on everybody's feet. So we, 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 we plant this in their head and then we don't understand. So, uh, what? Okay, I don't know that well, Curious George, but I, I know that he's always with a funny hat and a, and a banana peel. That's all I remember. Right? So, so, this is the things that, this is the things that we teach our kids, you know, that we go to sleep at night. So really, a person supposed to go to sleep with, with good stories and stories of, of Gidaelim and stories of, of Tzadikim and how a person goes to sleep at night is a, you know, is, it, it, is very, very important. So, so he, Rashim Shimpikas talks about that, um, you know, you have to be careful when you, when you, when you put your kids to, to sleep at night and, and, and he's 100% right. And today, there's really no excuse for it because today there's so many good books that are written by Jewish authors. When I was growing up, there wasn't many. There was Ola Menu with Mendel the Mouse. And after a while, Mendel the Mouse wasn't so exciting. But, but today is, Mamash, thousands of books. And if you, if you have children, you, you, you have to make sure that you, that, that you read them before they go to sleep because it, it has a very big impression what you hear. The last thing you hear when you go to sleep and the first thing you hear when you wake up now, it's a cell phone. But in the old days, it was stories. It used to be stories. So it's, uh, it's important that when you bring up your children, you read them you know, stories of Gedalim or Tzadikim or whatever it is, you know, to talk to them. Okay, anyway, so, in this week's parasha, there's many, many, many different questions on the first three psukim. And I, I spoke in my seminary, and I think that um, there's a very interesting point that I don't think I ever brought up here um, that I'm going to bring up tonight. And it's as follows. So it starts off, Ela told us Yitzchak, Yitzchak ben Avram, Avram Heiler is Yitzchak. So we're talking about the chasm, the boy. Okay, great father, great boy. His father was Avram. Nice. 
Okay. But he, Yitzhak ben Abba Mishana Bekachta is Rivka. Yitzhak was 40 years old when he, when he married Rivka. Now we're gonna, now we're gonna talk about the Kawa. Who was she? Bas Besuel Arami. Her father was a lowlife named Besuel who was a crook. Harami, treacherous, liar. Mipadnaram, from Padnaram. Achos Lavan. She was the sister of Lavan. Who was he? Arami. A lowlife, a crook. Lowly Isha. So, our first question here is, why would the Torah talk such nasty things about Rivka? We know from last week's parasha that Rivka's father was Besuel, and we know from last week's parasha that her brother was Lavan. So, why would the Torah repeat this over here? It's sort of saying very bad things about her, that she came from a father. Now, I don't like to talk about this, but why was his name Besuel? His name was Besuel because he was the governor of Padnaram, he was the head of Padnaram, and he had, there was a rule that he made that before any girl gets married, she has to sleep with him. So from the word Besula, he got the name Besuel. So that every girl that when she got married to her husband was not a Besula, because that's what Besuel did. So he was a bad guy. So why would the Torah tell us that this was Rivka's father? And he was an Arami. He was a crook. And you know what? You think her brother was any better? It was loving Arami. You're talking so nice about Yitzchak. Why are you saying such nasty things about Rivka? It's a very big question, right? We know where her father was. We know where her brother was. It should just say, Bekachta is Rivka. Loyal Isha, when he took Rivka to be his wife. Why are you saying all the bad things? Okay. Now, what happens? Yitzchak prays to Hashem opposite his wife, says Rashi, one was on one corner of the, of the gog of the roof and the other was on the other corner of the roof. Who really cares? Do you care if Rivka and, and Yitzhak were davening in the same corner, in the kitchen, in the living room, in the dining room, on the roof? Why did the Torah tell me that they were davening? It never says in the Torah the position of someone's davening. That they were davening opposite each other. Who cares? Who cares that they were davening opposite each other? What happened? Hashem. Hashem listened to Yitzhak. And his wife and Rivka became pregnant. Now let me tell you a story. There's a husband and a wife, and they had no children for 10 years. And they come to a big Rebbe. And they come to the Rebbe, and they're like, We need a bracha, we need, we need, we need, we need you to help us. And the Rebbe says, No problem. Tonight is a very special night. If you say the whole Tehillim tonight, each one of you says the whole Tehillim tonight, I promise you next year today, you'll be making a bris. So they run home, holy night, Kedusha, Kabbalah, who knows, the Rebbe knows. They go in a whole night, they cry and they say word for word, they finish the whole Tehillim. Kachoya, as the Rebbe said, a year later, on that day, they're making a bris. So the miracle, big miracle, they called the Rebbe, you have to be the Sandik. You gave us such a bracha, and the Mamish came out that way, you have to be the Sandik. So the Rebbe is the Sandik, everything goes great, and now he comes to the house, he brought the kid back to the house. He comes to the house to give the baby a bracha. He finishes giving the baby a bracha. And the woman says to him, Rabbi, Rebbe, I don't even know how to thank you. We didn't have children for so long. And that how you knew that that night was a special night to say to Hillim. And I want you to know that I cried my eyes out. And my husband, we cried our eyes out. And Baruch Hashem, I feel from Miskabal. And the Rebbe looks at her and says, No way! Hashem didn't listen to one word you said. You know why you have a child today? Because of your husband. Your tefillah? 
went nowhere. The only reason you have a child is because Hashem listened to your husband. You? He didn't listen to one word you had to say. Forget it. She's never going to daven again, right? <laughs> and if it's true, if it's true, and the Rebbe had Ruach HaKadosh, and he knew that Hashem didn't listen to her, why would he tell her? Say, Baruch Hashem, you both davened, and you had a child. Why would you insult her? Right? Even if it's true. Let's say it's true that for some reason her tula was not macabre, and he knew it in Ruch HaKadosh. Why would you tell the girl? You, you, you cut her out for the rest of her life. She'll never daven again. Yeah, Baruch Hashem, you both daven, and let her think it was her. Who does it hurt? Girls, that's what happened here in this week's Pasha. The Torah says, Vayayasalai! That they both daven, and Hashem only listened to him. Why would Hashem say that? Why would the Torah tell us that Hashem didn't listen to her? Just say, Hashem listened to them, and they had a child. Specifically, it says, Hashem did not listen to her. So you want to tell me he's a tzaddik and tzaddik, and she's a tzaddik in Russia? Okay, so you listen to both of them, no? What's so bad? Why does the Torah have to specifically tell me, like this, in the story with the rabbi, why would you do that, Hashem? Why are you going to make Rivka feel bad that all her tefillah went for nothing? But the Torah says very specifically, Hashem only listened to him. I'm sure that a lot of you, uh, I, I feel bad for you that you take Ambien because you can't sleep at night. Because since in sixth grade you had this question and you never had the answer, <laughs> right? So Baruch Hashem, now that I'm going to give you the answer tonight, you're going to sleep tonight because this has been bothering all of you. How can you learn this plastic and not let it bother you? How did you let this go by, especially girls? What do you mean you listen to her? What does that mean? She died just as much as he did. My class would have yelled like that, my girls' class. Oh my God, in my high school, I wouldn't even teach him this plastic. He'd throw things at me. What do you mean? Him. What about her? She's the one in pain. She was the Akara. Why would Hashem say that he didn't listen to her, he only listened to him? Okay, good, good question. I guess it doesn't bother anyone. But anyway, let's go further. So by the two children were struggling in her. And she said, in Cain, if so, what do I need this for? Why me? Why me? So she went to be to Shane Ever and they told him Shane So the few questions of this passage. Number one, what does this mean in Cain Lomo here you have Rivka Imenu, okay? She's pretty big, pretty big Tzadikista. She's an Akara. She can't have children. She knows that. So she needs a miracle. Now, any woman who the doctor tells her, you cannot have children. You're barren. You, you cannot produce children. You think when she's pregnant and she's throwing up from her pregnancy that she's going to say, why me? Why am I throwing up? Hello? She's going to scream, Yay! I'm throwing up! I'm pregnant! I'm throwing up! Right? What's she doing here? How do you understand that? What's she saying? Why me? Why you? Fantastic you! So, so you're having a hard pregnancy. You think, I mean, there are many, Sadekis and many women that have hard pregnancies. They don't complain. They're like, thank you, Hashem, I'm pregnant. Thank you, Hashem, that I'm throwing up, you know? And the guys, we don't really care because we don't throw up. We just have so. I mean, I, one of the boys boy in my class is like, I called him Rebbe. I get a mazel tov. I had a baby. Wow. He says, Rebbe, you don't understand. The labor was so. He sounds like he, he went through it, right? The labor was so long, Rebbe, with 
14 hours labor. Oh my God, it was so rough. I'm like, are you talking about your wife or you? (laughs) You know what it means, 14 hours to watch her in pain? I'm like, you know what it means for her to be in pain that you're watching her? Hello? You know, so guys, we go through labor, you know, but... But truthfully, what's going on over there? Why is she complaining? She should have been jumping up for joy. I'm pregnant. I was in Akara, and now I'm pregnant. So because two, two babies are kicking around a little bit, that's why Lamozel and Neichi, why is this happening to me? How do you understand this question? And then, why does it say, Batelech Lidresh Hashem? Lidresh is a drush. It should say, Batelech Lisho. She came to ask a question, what's going on here? Lidresh is a whole drush, like something's wrong that she needed a drush. So what, what's, a lot of questions here. What's really going on? So I'll tell you what's really going on. What's really going on is as follows. She knew, Rifki Yimeinu knew, where she came from. She knew she came from Bitsuel. She knew she came from this terrible, terrible family. And we know that this, it's not my speech tonight, but I've spoken about it before. We have, not for a while, but there's this thing called spiritual DNA. So there, there is DNA from Lavan, from Bistuel, you know, and ended up becoming an ASUB. But there's DNA. So, so they were very, very scared that they're going to have some problems with their kid. So it was a machlaikis between Yitzhak and Rivka. What was the machlaikis between Yitzhak and Rivka? Yitzhak said the following. If I have a child, if he's going to come from my side, the DNA from Avram Avinu, he's going to be Kulei Taif. He's going to be a big talent. He's going to come from the other side, he's going to be Kulei Ra. He's going to be a big Russia. I'm fine with that. Why? Because when someone is bad to the bone, he's just very bad, he'll do tshuva. Because he knows, right? He looks in the mirror, he's like, I'm really not a good guy. So I'm really not a good guy, i got to change. But someone who's gray. He does some mitzvahs, he does some averis, he never changes, because he looks in the mirror and he says, I'm doing some really bad stuff, I'm doing some really good stuff. Okay, I'm alright, I don't have to change. So Yitzhak Avinu, who was Gevura, not Rachamim, Gevura, Gevura, which is inner strength, right, he understood that you could be a Russia, but that everybody has Gevura, has the ability to overcome it. So he said, Hashem, if you're going to give me a child, don't give me no wishy-washy. Don't give me no gray. I don't want gray. I want black or white. If it's going to be a tzaddik, it should be a whole tzaddik. If it's going to be a Russia, it should be a black, bad, bad, bad guy. But I have, we have gvura. We have gvura. We can take black and turn it into white. Gray never changes. Rifka was not gvura. Rifka said, no, 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 no. We can't take a Russia and change him. We need gray. He'll have some of me. He'll have some of you. He'll have some good. Have some bad, and Mitzvah Hashem will make him good. He'll do tshuva. So when it says in the Torah that they were davening opposite each other, it doesn't mean in the room. The Neichach meant that they were davening opposite. One wanted one thing, and one wanted the opposite. He wanted black or white, and she wanted gray. So what happened? What Hashem listened to? Hashem listened to him. So the Pusik's not saying that the pregnancy, that they both daven for pregnancy, and Hashem listened to him and her prayer went nowhere. No, her prayer and his prayer, they brought the pregnancy. But where, where Hashem listened to Yitzchak Avinu was Hashem Baruch who said, I'm not going to give him a child that's going to be wishy-washy gray. I'm going to give them two children. One's going to be Kulei white, 
Kulei Tzadik wants to be a Kulei Rasha. So who did Hashem listen to? Hashem listened to Yitzchak. So the Pusik's not telling us that her Tzula didn't go anywhere. Our Pusik's telling us that they had a difference in opinion. And each went down for their opinion. Who did Hashem listen to? Whose opinion did he listen to? He listened to Yitzchak's opinion. That's why he got an Esau. And he got a Yaakov. Yaakov was a Kulei Tzadik and Esau was a Kulei Rasha. So it's not an insult. It's not an insult to Rivka. That's number one. And then... So she had a, she had a problem here. She didn't understand. Because she knew in the end that Hashem was Makabal Yitzchak's tefillah because he was a tzaddik ben tzaddik. She says, she said, I don't know what's going on over here. If Hashem was accepted my husband's tefillah because he's a tzaddik ben tzaddik, how come this kid goes, tries to get out by a church? And then he tries to get out by a shul. It's mashma that he listened to my tefillah. That he's a wishy-washy kid. But Hashem was a tzaddik ben tzaddik. So if, if my husband, they only knew, they thought it was one child at this point. So if my husband was right, he should either want to go out in church or go out in shul, but not in both. So, she said, Why is it coming out according to me? Why is it coming out that I have a wishy-washy child? If Hashem listened to his tiller, why, why is it me? Why, is Hashem, why did Hashem listen to me? I thought Hashem listened to him. That's one shot. Another shot is Lamaze Anoichi. What am I going to do with Anoichi Hashem Alekecha if I have a child that's going to be Oyved Avoy Dezara? And another Lamaze Anoichi shot is that Avram Avinu did not want one of his girls from his base Sarah, base Yaakov, that he made because those girls he made, he made Bali Chubas. What happened to all these Bali Chubas in the Torah? You ever wonder? He came from Haran, he made Yeshiva, he had girls, he had boys. Terry never talks about these people. What happened to them? They all went off to Derech, it says in the Medrash. They all didn't last. When Avram died, Yitzhak stopped giving them money and presents and food. And the minute they stopped getting money and presents and food and being paid off, they left. So they all left. So Avram Avinu knew that these people are wishy-washy. You pay them, but if somebody pays them more, they'll become Christian. If somebody pays them more, they'll be Muslims. He said, I don't want that DNA. I want someone who's stubborn. So he said, there's no one more stubborn than, than Sewell and Lavan, who no matter how much Avram Avinu tried to be in the car of them, they stayed Risham. So he said, if I could find someone good, that, that stubborn from that DNA, that would be unbelievable for Kaisro because the missionaries can't pay them off. They're going to be stubborn. So when they found Rifka, it was the perfect, he had, he had, he had a good girl from a stubborn family. It was perfect. So she said, but I understand. If Avram Avinu picked me to be stubborn, what's with this kid? Why do you need me? Wishy-washy. He could have taken the, his, his, a, a girl from Haran. It was a wishy-washy kid. So she said, why me? Why did he pick me? Okay. So, but the lemma I want to say is, she said, why, why, why is this baby jumping out in both places? Why me? So, but Telech Lidroish, that's Hashem. She went to, to be midrash. I don't understand. Hashem said, he listened to Yitzchak. But the baby seems to be listening to me. What's going on here? So, and they answered, the answer is, it's not one child. Hashem didn't listen to you, Rivka. Hashem listened, listened to Yitzchak. And what Hashem do with this one, it's two children, and one's a total Russia, and one is a total Tzadik. And Yitzhak Avinu believed, it says, Vayehav Yitzchak es Esav. Why did Yitzhak love Esav? Because Yitzhak was Givura. And Yitzhak understood that no matter how bad Esav is, just like a person who hates Hashem, the more they hate Hashem, if you turn them, the more they love Hashem. If you meet a kid in the street and he's like, so you believe in God? You believe in the Torah? And he's like, Whatever. Forget it. It's like trying to put a nail in jello. You're not going to get anywhere. But we, no, I'm serious. It's nothing. It's going nowhere. It's going nowhere. Whatever. He doesn't care. But someone says, I hate God. I don't believe, I hate him. I hate what he does. Ooh, if I could turn that emotion into love, watch out. So, so the potential of Esau was greater than Yaakov. 
And we, we talk to see in the Gemara that, that it says that Esav actually was supposed to be, there was supposed to be four Avos and four Imahos. Esav was supposed to marry Leah. So we were supposed to have Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, the Esav. And Esav, it says, was bigger than Yaakov. His head was unbelievable. He was brilliant. That's why his head is buried in the Mars of Machpelah. So Esav was bigger. So Yitzhak believed, so he's black. So he's, he's bad. I'll change him. In the end, it didn't happen. But Yitzhak believed that, so, so this was, and, 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 and Leah, and, 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 um, Rivka, she loved what she saw. It wasn't potential. It was Yaakov. Yaakov was Ishtam. She, she loved what she saw. She loved Yaakov. She loved him, and Yitzhak loved potential. He loved, I could change this guy. Asa was an unbelievable, unbelievable neshama. As bad as he was, he could have been unbelievably good. So, so, let's go back to the beginning. So, so why are we saying all these bad things about Rivka? That her, her, her father was a, a crook, and her brother was a crook. And this is what I do with my seminar this week. And I'm gonna give you all a little bit of homework tonight. Don't usually give my Chabura homework. I'm gonna give you a little bit of homework. I gave the boys homework last night. I'm gonna give you homework tonight. The reason it tells us this is because at the end of the parasha, is the whole story with Rivki Menu, how she fooled, how she fooled Yitzchak into giving the Bechorah to Yaakov. Now, she really was brilliant in what she did. A human being has how many senses? Five senses, right? So, she had to fool all his five senses. So what did she do? So the Chumash says, touch. She knew that Yitzchak would touch Esau or Yaakov, whoever that person is, to see who it really is. So she took goat's hair and she put it all over Yaakov's hands so he was very hairy. So he, so he, when he touched him, he said, you die in the day Esau. These hands are all hairy. These are the hands of Esau. So that, that one of the five senses, she fooled him. Second one of the, of the senses is smell. So she went ahead and she put on the jacket that Esau left by her, the jacket that Esau used to wear in the field, which was Nimrod's jacket, which was originally the, the Xenus Or that Hashem made for other Mechava. And it smelled from the field. So she knew that he would take his second sense to see if it's him. He, he would smell him. He smelled him. He said, it smells like Esau. He was wearing his clothing. So she fooled him with touch and she fooled him with smell. Taste. So Esau used to make food a certain way for his father. She, as the Pusik says, made the exact same food. So when he tasted it, he said, oh, you made my, my favorite food. So she fooled his taste. He was blind. She didn't have to fool his sight. So four out of the five senses she fooled. The only sense she couldn't fool was sound. So when, when Yaakov, the way he talked to his father, and that was the one thing he didn't get fooled, and Yitzhak said, Hakol kol Yaakov, right? I, I recognize the one, but, but the other four senses were saying that it's Esau. So he went with the other four senses. Where did Rivka get this from? Trickery, hairy arms, making the exact same food, putting on the jacket. Where did this little Revitzin get this from? So it, the pus, the parsha opens up and says that she had these meadows of trickery from her father and from her brother. Why, why did we have to get the bechora through trickery? Why couldn't Hashem just show Yitzchak that Esau was a Russia and give it, give the bracha to, give the bracha to, to, to Yaakov on the up without all the tricks? Why the trickery? And the answer is, that every meter that a person has, good or bad, can be used for the opposite. And this is what I did with my seminary. I asked the girls, I said, right, go home and write a good meter that you have. 
a good midah and write a bad midah that you have and figure out how that good midah, that good trait that you have can be used for bad. And figure out how the bad midah that you have can be used for good. And I said, and as you do that, you will learn a lot about yourself and if you're able to understand that, I, I can honestly say, in, sitting in front of you, and I said it to my seminary, that I have a, I have rachamim. I have a mid of rachamim. I'm, I, I, I don't know how to say no, and I, and I, 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 when it comes down to it, if you cry enough and you beg enough, forget about it. I break down, right? So that's a great meal, right? Right, Walson, that's fantastic. Why aren't you happy? You know, you're about rachamim and, and you have pity on people and, and that's great. No. It's not always great. I can tell you right now that after 120 years, I'm in trouble. Why? Because I know at least three classes in the last 36 years that I have taught that, I have, that, I, that the 16 boys that were in my class did not learn a word a whole year. They didn't learn... We tried, we didn't try, went out for pizza, we played ball. We didn't learn why, because there was a boy in my class, in that class, that continuously disturbed, never let me teach, was busy making trouble all the time, and I should have thrown him out of my class. But he, he was not from a religious family, and if I knew, if I'm going to put him out of my class, he's going to end up in public school, he's going to marry a non-Jew, I'm going to be in trouble. But I only thought about him. I had Racham in my one boy. But I sacrificed 16 boys for that. Because those 16 boys didn't learn one word that year. So is that Rachamim? That's not Rachamim. That's not, that's not good. You don't, you don't have a right to sacrifice 16 children for one. So because you are Rachamim, because your nature is, is, is to be nice, sometimes you can't be nice when other people are suffering. So Rachamim can end up becoming din. Not always is Rachamim, if Pinchas wouldn't have done anything, Kleisha would have been destroyed. Pinchas was about Rachamim. And had he not done anything, Kleisha would have been destroyed. So, uh, oh yeah, Shalom, Aaron was standing there, Moshe was standing there, they were having Rachamim on this guy, and Pinchas met Allah and he said, no way. I also had, a, I also used to have a problem with the temper, right? How could you use a temper for something good? So when I see someone disgracing Hashem's name, my blood boils. My blood, how could you disgrace the Kurdish Baruch Hu's name? So temper against another person is wrong. But, but, but to be a kanoi for Hashem is right. To, to, to be angry when people are being hurt is right. Not to just say, oh, who cares? It's alright. I'm not getting angry. I'm, I'm not gonna let this upset me. I just heard this about this kid, what he's going through, and, and all this abuse, but I'm not gonna get involved. I'm not gonna let this upset me. You gotta get angry. You gotta get crazy angry. You gotta stop it. So anger can be used for bad, and anger can be used for good. So I told the girls, go home and write down a good meter and a bad meter and see how your good meter can be used for bad. And if you realize it, you won't use it for bad. And look at your bad meter sometimes and a bad meter can be used for good. I'll, 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 atheism, right? Can atheism ever be used for good? Not believing in God? How could atheism be used for good? Right? Not believing, not believing in Hashem? Right? It's just water. Don't worry about it. Okay. Anyway, so how can atheism be used for good. So I'm going to tell you how. If someone comes to you and they need and they need charity, they need tzedakah, right? I go collecting for Anava and I come in and, my, and they're like, they watch the video and they're like, oh my gosh, right, Walston, you're doing so much amazing stuff and Anava is doing unbelievable and BCA and wow, you're just doing so much. And I'm like, okay, write me a check, you know? And he's like, 
Oh, Hashem is going to reward you. I'm like, no, I need you to reward me. I need a check. I got to pay the bills. All of a sudden, he's a big believer in Hashem. Hashem will take care of you. Hashem will reward you. No, you have to become an atheist. There's no Hashem. The only one that can save Ornava is me. I have to write a big check. When it comes to Chesed, there's no God. It's only you. That's as far as I'm saying. It's not me. Because you have to become an atheist. Oh, you'll have a Rafu Shalema. Hashem will take care of you. No, there's no Hashem. I have to take care of you. So even not believe, of course, doesn't mean you should become an atheist. It means that there's a time to say, no, it's not up to Hashem. It's up to me to help you. People do it all the time. They give me brachas all the time. Oh, Hashem's going to help you. Mamas, you're going to see. It's gonna, you're going to have a building and you're going to have this. And I'm like, just write me a little check. And, and they're like, you should be benched and, and admit to Hashem. Everything's going to be good. Have a good night, Rabbi Wallstein. It's amazing. We all talk about you. I'm like, <laughs> So they have a lot of emunah that Hashem's going to help me. But there's a time not to have emunah. There's a time to say, I'm going to help you. I'm just giving you an example. So, so even atheism, even not believing, everything in this world has a good and a bad. So the Torah is telling us that Rifki Imenu, who came from the worst place, let's say you don't have good midos. Let's say you're born with not good midos. Let's say you come from a dysfunctional home. She came from the most dysfunctional. Look what Bissuel did. Look what Lavan did. It can't get more dysfunctional, right? So you say, poor girl, never. No, use the dysfunction for positive. Use the stuff that you went through to help others. I've been talking about this forever. So the tyrant starts. You know where she came from? She came from the lowest. You know what she did with it? She got Yaakov the Brachos away from Esau. What a lesson. So it's not a, it's not a criticism in the beginning. Just the opposite. Yeah, okay, Yitzhak, he came from Abraham. No? Okay, no? He was, he came from Abraham. He was ready to give the Bracha to Esau. And Rizki came from the worst. But she used that dysfunction, she used that arami to fool, to get the bracha. And what happened after she got the bracha? Yitzhak didn't curse Yaakov. Yitzhak said, Rechen, he should be gebenched. She's right. He saw Rukha Kodesh, she's right. And when Esav came, he saw Gehenim. And it's very interesting, I said it last night, that he didn't realize Esav, when he sold, really, really we didn't cheat him at all, because he sold the Bechorah. So the bracha was supposed to go to the Bechor, so he didn't cheat him at all. So it's, it's very interesting, because at the end... He tells, just, just show you that, how everything is Mida Kineged Mida. He says, Esav says, unbelievable. I saw this last night when I was giving the share. He tells his father, because he didn't know that it, the Bechor was stolen. You know why he called his name Yaakov? He, because he outwitted me these two times. He fooled me these two times. Now listen carefully. As Becharasi Lakach, he took my Bechaira. As Becharasi Lakach, right? He sold the, in the beginning of the Pasha. He took my Bechaira. And now, Lakach Bechasi. He took my Brachas. So you know what I saw last time when I was giving the Shir? That the word Bechairasi, Bez, Chaf, Reish, Tuf, Yud, is the same letters as the word Bechasi. You sold Bechai Rasi. You sold your Bechaira to Yaakov Avino. You lost the same letters. When you sold your Bechaira, you also sold same letters, Birkasi. You also sold your Bracha. Mida, Keneged, Mida. So really, Yaakov didn't steal anything. 
you sold the Bechara, with the Bechara goes the Brachas. One last two, it's two, two seconds, just a very interesting shot. I told the girls about friends. It's, it's a one second shot. So the very famous Kasha will end with this. Very famous Kasha. I understand why Esau, when he was in his mother's womb, when they went past the church, he tried to jump out to the church. Maybe with an Apple store. I don't know exactly. Selling iPhones. I don't know if it was a church exactly. Uh-huh. You know, or internet store. I don't know exactly what it was. But it was a, a store that was selling not such good stuff. Right? For sure. So he tried to get out. Now we understand why he tried to get out. What's going on in a woman's womb? What's going on in a woman's womb? The Malach is teaching him Torah. Right? So here you have this Esau. The Malach is giving him a whole shir in Gemara. He walks past the church. Esau's like, I'm out of here. Right? I don't want to listen to this shir. So Esau's trying to get out. But the famous question is, why is Yaakov trying to get out? Yaakov's sitting there learning with a Malach. Malach's teaching him, So he went past the yeshiva. You're not going to get a better shear than from a Malach. Why did he try to get out when they went past the yeshiva, when he's sitting in there getting a shear from a Malach? So Chazal says something unbelievable. Even sitting there, getting a shear from a Malach Hashem, Torah, pure Torah is not worth it if the guy sitting next to you is an Esau. Because if the person that you're hanging out with is not good, then no matter what, you're hanging out with them in the holiest place, get out. So Yaakov Avinu said, I'm learning with a Malak, but I'm a Chavusa next to me with an Esau. I'd rather get out. I, I got to get out of here. So it's an unbelievable, unbelievable shot. And then that's because a person's friends have a huge, huge effect on them. Anyway, give everyone a bracha, and I, I really, Anais Hashem runs the world. Chaim Avram Zalman, who they call Avi, Bas Kreindel Nechama Bracha, should have, um, should have an unbelievable Rufur Shalema, and um, we should taka all be dancing with Mashiach, Amen. 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 Thank you. How are you? Just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.